The thrill and excitement of March Mania is here, and DraftKings Sportsbook, one of America's top-rated sportsbook apps, is giving new customers a shot to turn 5 bucks into $150 instantly in bonus bets with any college basketball bet. You can find all the lines and available odds, of course, at the DraftKings Sportsbook app. North Carolina listeners, don't forget, DraftKings Sportsbook is now live in your state. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app and use code SBNFL. New customers can bet 5 bucks to get $150 instantly in bonus bonus bets only at DraftKings Sportsbook with code SBNFL. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or in West Virginia, visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 8778-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly on behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort 21 plus age varies by jurisdiction void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.com slash bball for eligibility, deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. Hello everyone and welcome to the week 14 edition of Falado on Football here on Big Blue View Radio. I am your host, Nicholas Falado, and let's dive into this slate. Start with the New York football Giants, who lost in a very disappointed fashion to the Arizona Cardinals at home for a 1 o'clock start, 26-7. to The Giants never really even seemed like they were in this game. Right from the onset of the game, they fumbled the football, unaccounted for blocker, stripped Daniel Jones, and it was, of course, Marcus Golden almost returns it for a touchdown. And ironically enough, the defense holds, and they stop the Arizona Cardinals. And then when the Giants get the ball back, they get it back on their one-yard line, then they have to punt. And then after that, the Giants' offense just could never get in sync. It was 6-0, and Deion Lewis gets the ball kicked out of his arms on a kickoff return, which results in a 13-0 lead for the Arizona Cardinals. Giants, Daniel Jones, he never looked comfortable to me. He really didn't. It was pretty apparent that he didn't have the maneuverability in the pocket and obviously when it comes to him extemporizing plays and using his legs that did not seem to be something that was even on the table for Daniel Jones who finished the game with 21 attempts 11 completions for 127 yards in that fumble and credit to Arizona kind of reminds me of the 2019 game where the Cardinals beat the Giants 27 to 21 and they sacked Daniel Jones eight times in this game they had eight sacks Daniel Jones got sacked six times. Colt McCoy got sacked twice. Hassan Reddick had five sacks in this game. The protection of the New York Giants. I can't wait to get to the All-22 to see exactly what happened, but the protection of the New York Giants fell apart in this game. Credit to Vance Joseph and that defense. Kind of humbling the New York Giants, a team that just had a very impressive win on the road at Lumen Field in Seattle, formerly CenturyLink. But the Giants were playing... Like they were the West Coast team coming East. They had 58 yards in the first half. Started off slow. Couldn't get anything going. Jones had one really nice pass down the seam, the Golden Tate that he dropped. He ends up catching it later on in the game, which led to a New York Giants touchdown. That was to open the second half after an 11-play, 77-yard drive for the Arizona Cardinals that resulted in the Cardinals going up 20 to nothing. The unfortunate thing about this The Giants' defense played pretty well in the first half. This game could have been incredibly out of reach. But the Giants' defense held firm, forced punts, forced field goals, 
only capitulated the one time for a touchdown. And that was the Dan Arnold touchdown, which was a beautiful pass by Kyler Murray. Over the top of the linebackers and the safeties, Logan Ryan tried to undercut it. Dan Arnold did a great job kind of jumping and high-pointing the ball since he's like six foot freaking seven or something ridiculous. But going into halftime, the score was 13-0. Very much in range. But the Giants' defense, after playing well the first half, started to crack a little bit. Gave up the touchdown, then forced a punt after the Giants scored a touchdown. 20-7 at this point. The Giants went three plays, three and out. Jones missed Shepard deep. Missed Shepard over the middle of the field. To me, Daniel Jones, he did not play well, but it seemed like he just was injured. It seemed like he was very tentative. I had to select a vocabulary word to assign to Daniel Jones' play. He was incredibly tentative to do anything outside of the framework of the play. And if his first read wasn't there, he couldn't do much. He couldn't move in the pocket. Jason Garrett was calling the play in a tentative manner as well. And I got to see what Arizona was doing from a coverage standpoint. The select few plays that the broadcast showed of the All-22, it seemed like these Cardinals defenders were all over the Giants receivers. Jones had nowhere to go with the football, resulting in him staying in the pocket and taking some sacks sometimes because he can't evade and he couldn't get out of the way. And that's not me making excuses for Jones. This is just what I see. It doesn't seem like he's ready to come back from this injury. And I don't know if a healthy Daniel Jones would have made a difference anyways. Because right from the beginning, the Cardinals punched the Giants right in the mouth. Wouldn't have mattered. Jones could run 100 miles per hour. It wouldn't even have mattered because he didn't even see Marcus Golden on that initial fumble. And Jones had nothing to do with the next fumble on the kickoff return after the Arizona field goal. The game was still in reach there, but this Giants offense could never do anything, which is kind of crazy. They actually had a pretty solid opening script it seemed like picked up a first down on the first play of the game passed behind Slayton Slayton caught it through the zone it's a nice play picked up eight yards with Wayne Gallman picked up four yards with Wayne Gallman and they tried to go with a pass and nobody picked up Marcus Golden I think Joe Judge said it was a team mistake there's not just one person to assign blame there Caden Smith seems like the one player who might have had to be cognizant of that player. But I'm sure there's other players involved with that protection. They're calling it out pre-snap or going to it post-snap to ensure that that does not happen to your quarterback so he doesn't get laid out like that. Lucky he didn't re-injure his hamstring there. Maybe he did. Hard to tell. But it's a very humbling loss from the New York Giants. A very fun week. The Giants first in the NFC East was a very improbable. And now... The Eagles won, the Cowboys won, and the football team won, leaving the Giants not in first place, but now with their backs against the wall. Still obviously a chance to win, but you got the Browns on the schedule, prime time, with a hobble Daniel Jones. You got Lamar Jackson after that, in Baltimore, and then you have Dallas. It's not the easiest. They're going to have to find a way, because the Giants were outplayed, they were outcoached, and that's not something I would expect to say from this coaching staff, even though they're young. Yes, they still have so much to prove. Daniel Jones still has so much to prove. But it seemed like the Arizona Cardinals had a game plan here. And it didn't seem like the Giants really had a game plan to stop Kyler Murray from picking up six yards here, seven yards there, and doing everything that he was doing with his legs. Because Murray had 47 yards on the ground. And he just kept picking up little chunks. His longest was 12 yards. They were just little chunks. 
to help extend drives, move the chains, keep the Giants' defense on the field. And that's a big issue because they were tired, man. Cardinals ran 79 plays. The Giants ran 49. The Cardinals controlled the ball 37 minutes to the Giants' 22. The Giants turned the football over three times. The Giants got outgained 390 to 159. Arizona had 22 first downs. The Giants had 10. Giants did not deserve to win this football game. That's very apparent by any way you want to measure this. And it's a damn shame because they controlled their fate. They were going up against a struggling team, but none of that mattered. The Cardinals showed up, and now they're still in that playoff hunt. They're at 7-6. and six. Giants are at 5-8 and eight, trying to win this crappy NFC East that looks a little bit better now because three teams not named the Giants won. Before this game on the season, Arizona surrendered 236 yards passing a game. The Giants had 81. The Cardinals had 231. The Giants were 3-12 and 12 on third down, which is more than what I actually thought they were. The Cardinals were 7-18, and 18, while also being 1-2 of two on fourth down. The Giants had that big fourth down stop early in the game. The defense did their job in that first half, but you can't ask them to keep going out there to slow down Kyler Murray, DeAndre Hopkins, who had nine catches for 136 yards, and the rest of this offense. So Giants now need to regroup. Sunday Night Football is definitely full-on Keen Peel meme right now, sweating like, oh, geez, we're going to have this team on prime time. This is who we flexed out for? No, the Giants need to come back. They need to get down to the fundamentals and the basics and come out with a good game plan to stop Baker Mayfield and company, who will be on a short week because they're playing Monday, even though the Giants Sunday Night Football. So it's still a short week. Anyways, let's move on to some of these other games that aren't as frustrating. So we'll go to the Kansas City Chiefs and the Miami Dolphins, where the Chiefs squeaked out a victory in a very unlikely manner, really. It was kind of an odd game you can roll with because Patrick Mahomes throws three picks in this game. He had two touchdowns, threw for 393 yards, but he threw two more interceptions than Tua, who threw one interception. And the Chiefs win this game 33-27. to The Chiefs were up in the third quarter, big in this game, and Miami rallied in the fourth quarter to score 17 points. And the Chiefs also, they were bailed out on defense as well. They had that big interception. They had a safety as well. But they were making some mistakes, the Chiefs. They kept Miami in this football game, and Miami almost made them pay in South Beach. DeAndre Washington had to be the starting running back because you have Salvador Ahmad, who's out. You had Miles Gaskin get COVID. You had Matt Breida, who was out. Miami's on their third, fourth string running back. Lynn Bowden Jr., a third-round pick this year by the Las Vegas Raiders, ended up being the leading receiver, had nine targets, caught seven of them for 82 yards in this game. Also, Mike Kosicki had a huge game, five for 65, six targets, two touchdowns. It's just wild because Miami almost came out with this W. Despite almost throwing for 400 yards, three interceptions from Mahomes, he gets a defense that helps him out with a safety with a punt return as well by Nicole Hardman for a touchdown and yet the Chiefs still find ways to win because they're the Kansas City Chiefs and they're the best team in football Tyree Kill had a rushing touchdown in this game he also had a receiving touchdown at seven targets caught three of them for 79 yards Travis Kelsey 10 targets caught eight of them for 136 yards and a tutty Clyde Edwards Alaire actually saw work in this game had 16 carries only for 32 yards against that pretty damn good Miami Dolphins defense 
Clyde also had six targets, caught five of 59 yards. Dolphins are a good football team. They're going to be interesting in the playoffs. And it's weird, too, because you look, I mean, Tua played fine in this game. He had one turnover, threw for 316 yards, had the two touchdowns to Mike Kosicki, who left the game with an injury. But I feel like it's interesting because Ryan Fitzpatrick might actually give them a better chance to win playoff games. They're going to keep two in there and allow them to grow. And this could be a very interesting team in the future. Right now, they're 8-5, and five, putting up a legitimate fight against a 12-1 and one Kansas City Chiefs team. So Brian Flores has this team ready and prepared. Joe Judge did for this entire season. This Arizona game may be a little different. Obviously, there are a little bit of, you could say, extenuating circumstances from the standpoint that Daniel Jones did not seem healthy, but they still rolled him out there. Took the chance. Did not work out. Let's hope both those coaching staffs can stabilize and uh, see what exactly can happen. And the Bills are playing on Sunday Night Football, which is intriguing against the 11-1 Pittsburgh Steelers. By the time you guys listen to this, you'll know the outcome. But if the Bills do lose that game, they're going to be 9-4. and four. The Dolphins will only be a game behind them. The Dolphins have the Patriots next week. Then they're at the Raiders, a team that looks atrocious. Then they have the Bills. But it's in Ralph Wilson. So that's going to be a tough game. In the freezing cold, Dolphins may not adapt well there. But before we go to the rest of the games, let's take a quick break to hear a word from our sponsors. NFC East team number one that won their game this week is the Dallas Cowboys to go to 4-9. They beat the Cincinnati Bengals 30-7 in Cincinnati. This Cincinnati team's a joke right now without Joe Burrow. Brandon Allen, he... Threw for 217 yards and a touchdown, but it was the Cowboys from the beginning of the game. They were up 17-7 at halftime and then just continued to pour on points while the Bengals just kind of sat there and did absolutely nothing. Dalton did what he had to do, threw for 185 yards, had two touchdowns. Zeke didn't really have to do all that much. Tony Pollard had a big kick return in this game, but on the ground, he didn't have to do all that much either. It was Amari Cooper getting it done through the air, had five targets, four for 51 and one, and then Tony Pollard also had a receiving touchdown as well and the Dallas Cowboys are just a better football team than the Cincinnati Bengals it's one thing you could say but the Cowboys defense they actually showed up to play I know shocking something that Mike Nolan hasn't been able to get his guys to do but this is what happens against a team like the Cincinnati Bengals I mean a few short weeks ago when the Giants beat the Bengals it was a closer game Bengals scored more points but they also had a kick return for a touchdown in this game, A.J. Green got going. He had seven targets, caught six of them for 62 yards and a tutty. Also had Tyler Boyd get nine targets, five for 43. T. Higgins, eight targets, five for 49. Cincinnati actually ran significantly more plays than the Dallas Cowboys. They ran 70 to 50 for the Dallas Cowboys, but it didn't really matter because Cincinnati couldn't move the ball into a position to take advantage of the Dallas Cowboys' inept defense because Cincinnati is just not really that great in and of themselves. They also were sloppy with the football. They fumbled the football three times in the first half of this game. One of them was returned for a touchdown as well, which also kind of piled on. That one was by, I want to say, Alden Smith, who returned, yes, a fumble 78 yards. I have it right in front of me right now. And then the next ensuing drive, the Cincinnati Bengals mount a 13-play, 80- or 60-yard drive that was fumbled away by... Adam Erickson on an end around on a fourth and one that they weren't going to get anyways. And that led to a 15-play, 88-yard drive that was capped off by a touchdown to Amari Cooper. Then there was an AFC South showdown between the 9-4 and Tennessee Titans and the 1-12 and Jacksonville Jaguars. The records 
currently. The Titans beat them down 31 to 10. The game opened up with a ridiculous A.J. Brown touchdown. It looked like it was going to be an absolute slaughter, which it ended up being. But the game settled the rest of the first half. And then it was just Derrick Henry in the end of the second quarter and well into the second half. Derrick Henry finished this game with a whopping 26 carries for 215 yards and two touchdowns. Could have been even more, to be honest. Jacksonville had to make a quarterback change because Mike Glennon was atrocious, missing DJ Chark. DJ Chark, for those of you who do not know, he's going to be the next Allen Robinson type of player. Now, I don't think he's as talented as Allen Robinson. He's a much more physical specimen than Allen Robinson because he's a little bit taller, I would say a little bit faster, but he is somebody who's just going to leave Jacksonville, find another home, and then do really, really well, probably sign a solid contract, not to the level of Allen Robinson because, let's be honest, Allen Robinson had a lot of production even though he was having Blake Bortles throwing the football. DJ Chark had nine targets in this game, caught two of them for 16 yards, Glennon couldn't hit him, Gardner Minshew missed him in the back of the end zone as well. But then there was LaVisca Chenault, had 11 targets, caught 6 for 49, Keelan Cole had 12 targets, caught 7 for 67, and a touchdown. Minshew was able to move the football a little bit, threw the ball 31 times, completed 18 of them for 178 yards, and one touchdown. James Robinson had a touchdown robbed from him. He only ended up with 12 carries for 67 yards, but he had a nice touchdown run that was taken away by an illegal formation penalty by DJ Chark, who was covering the end man on the line of scrimmage for the offense. A.J. Brown finished his game with nine targets, caught seven of them for 112 yards and that ridiculous touchdown. Jeff Swaim found himself a touchdown as well. They just have a bunch of tight ends who end up catching touchdowns. Annoyingly, it's never the one that you want them to catch, it always seems like. It's always a Mikael Pruitt or Jeff Swaim instead of someone like Jonu Smith, or even Anthony Ferkser, who had some fantasy buzz. Corey Davis, after his stellar week, finished with a modest 3 of 34, also fumbled the football as well. Ryan Tannehill, 212 yards, and those two touchdowns, that's all he really had to do. This was the Derrick Henry show. Next week, Jacksonville, we'll see if they're going to roll with Minshew. They probably should roll with him. Mike Glennon did not look good. Through only that one interception, but he just did not look good. He was missing open players and not recognizing them downfield as well. So, This is the tale of the AFC South. You have a lot of kind of dumpster fire teams in Jacksonville, the Texans, who we'll go over here in a little bit. Then you have the Colts and the Titans who are fighting for this division, fighting for the right to host a playoff game. And this is going to help the Titans' chances with that. And, ooh, Derrick Henry. Derrick, Derrick Henry. You can't can't write this guy off at all. They signed him. They extended him in the offseason. Not everybody agreed with that. And it's looking like it's paying off because down these stretches in the cold weather, It's just Derrick Henry's season. And look at his playoff matchups for fantasy football. He has the Lions next week, and then the Packers at the Packers. Those are two of the best teams to run against, easily. Derrick Henry is going to win a lot of people fantasy championships, ladies and gentlemen. We had a really interesting game with the Carolina Panthers hosting the Denver Broncos, with the Carolina Panthers coming off of that Week 13 bye, falls short of the Denver Broncos, but Drew Locke actually had a heck of a second half, which is something we've seen Drew Locke do, usually in garbage time, but this was actually a competitive game. He ends up with four touchdowns, throws for 280 yards in this game, and he does not throw an interception, something that Drew Locke kind of does sometimes. And the Broncos win this football game 32-27. to It was kind of a slow start, but, but after a Locke fumble in the second quarter, later in the second quarter, the two 
teams exchanged touchdowns going into halftime, and then the third quarter really started to ramp up. In the fourth quarter, Carolina had a, mounted a nice comeback, scoring 17 points. With Mike Davis having a rushing touchdown, they were just finding Curtis Samuel all over the field. He didn't end up getting in the end zone. And although the Panthers had a pretty good fourth quarter, they just couldn't finish the job. And the Denver Broncos end up winning this football game. With about two minutes left in the game, the Panthers had the football and they were driving. They had to go for it on a fourth and eight. They tried a short pass to Curtis Samuel, tried to get yak from him. It just did not end up working out. Broncos end up winning the football game. Mike Davis finishes this game, maybe the last one he isn't going to be able to start. I feel like we've been saying that for seven straight weeks because Christian McCaffrey can never be healthy. With 11 carries for 51 yards, two touchdowns on the ground. Teddy threw for 283 yards, did not have a touchdown through the air. Robbie Anderson, 12 targets, 8 for 84. Curtis Samuel, 9 targets, 7 for 68. And then it was the K.J. Hamler show for the Broncos. He had only three targets, only two catches, but both were touchdowns. For 86 yards, one of them being a 49-yard long touchdown. And then if you want to do the math there, that was the other reception. Troy Fumagalli had five targets, four for 53 because Noah Font ended up being injured in this game. And it was also Nick Vanette finding pay dirt for a touchdown. He had four targets, caught all four for 20 yards and that touchdown. It's got to be very frustrating for Noah Fant owners who saw him get injured, and then had two tight ends do relatively well because Fant has kind of not been all that great this season, which is unfortunate, obviously. The Texans traveled up to Chicago to play the Mitchell Trubisky-led Bears, and this game just started terribly for Houston. On the first drive for the Bears, David Montgomery ran for 80 yards and a touchdown. He finished the game with 113 yards and that touchdown on only 11 carries, and this game ended 36-7. to because Chicago scored 23 points in the second quarter. Mitch Trubisky threw for 267 yards, had three touchdowns, one to Allen Robinson, one to Jimmy Graham, one to Darnell Mooney. Allen Robinson, 13 targets, nine for 123, and that touchdown. Houston could never get anything going against the Bears defense. The Bears defense was all over Deshaun Watson, who ended up briefly leaving the game with an injury. A.J. McCarron came in, but Deshaun is fine, and he was also sacked six times in this game. McCarron was also sacked once in this game, did not even throw a pass. It's the only time dropping back, he was sacked. Khalil Mack was all over the place, as was the rest of this defense. Roquan Smith was all over the field. Akeem Hicks, coming back from his injury, was back. He was playing really well. Mario Edwards was playing well. Bilal Nichols was playing well. It was just a defensive onslaught by the Chicago Bears, something this team desperately needs now that they are 6-7. and seven. Houston falls to 4-9, and nine. and without Brandon Cooks, who was out of this game with an injury, Kiki Kuti coming off of his huge day, only had a touchdown, three catches for 24 yards. Chad Hansen, though, caught all seven of his passes for 56 yards. Duke Johnson had 53 yards on two catches, also had 26 yards on eight carries because David Johnson missed this game as well because he's on the COVID-19 list like so many other players around the NFL. But the Houston Texans never really had a shot in this game going up to Chicago cold weather. Mitch Trubisky played pretty good football, which is not something you hear all that often. Now, I haven't seen the All-22 tape or anything like that, but three touchdowns, zero interceptions, managing the game over 250 yards. Have to approve that for Mr. Mitchell Trubisky. Tampa Bay coming off of their bye excelled past the Minnesota Vikings with a 26-14 victory to go at 8-5. 
in that NFC South where the Saints just lost, although the Saints now share first place with the Packers, although the Packers are slightly ahead of them because of the tiebreaker, but that's a game we'll get into in a little bit. Tom Brady only had to complete 15 passes to win this one for 196 yards and two touchdowns, one touchdown to Scotty Miller. His only catch for 48 yards on two targets. And then one touchdown to Rob Gronkowski. His only catch for two yards on two targets as well. And it was Ronald Jones who had 18 carries for 80 yards and a tutty in this game with Leonard Fournette being a healthy scratch. So there was no Leonard Fournette. We actually saw some shady, which was interesting. He actually looked pretty good at four carries for 32 yards. Eight per carry with a 14-yard long. Wasn't terrible. And that's for the Minnesota Vikings. Kirk Cousins threw the ball 37 times, 225 yards, only one touchdown, no interceptions. Dalvin Cook had 22 carries, went north of 100 with 102 yards and one touchdown. But the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, they had a really strong second quarter, scored 17 points to go into halftime 17-6. to And then from there, they just kind of coasted. They were conservative. They just ran the football, bled the clock, didn't allow Minnesota to crawl back into this football game, and Minnesota could not. The passing touchdown to Minnesota was Herb Smith Jr. He was the recipient. He had four targets, caught all four for 63. Welcome back, Herb Smith. Had that one touchdown. Justin Jefferson, four for 39 on eight targets. Adam Thielen, three for 39 on four targets. So Tampa Bay went into this bye week. Todd Bowles got this defense, the back end of it, corrected. I don't know if they ran more zone. I didn't get to see the all 22 of this film yet to kind of see exactly what they were doing. They were torched when they ran man coverage against the Chiefs earlier in the season. That was about two weeks ago. Obviously, the huge 50-point fantasy game by Tyreek Hill that we all remember. Tampa Bay able to get this W against the Minnesota Vikings, who now are at 6-7 and and trying to vie for that last wildcard spot in the NFC. It's not going to be great for them, their chances, when you can't beat a team like Tampa Bay, a good football team, a team that had a bye week, but still a game that you need to win when your backs are against the wall, especially when you're going up against them from a wild card seating and wild card chances. And now the Vikings have the Bears at home next week, very winnable game, and they have to go to the Saints, very difficult game. And then they have to go to Detroit in a divisional matchup, and those can be tricky. Detroit's not a good football team, but can't say that's a given win by any stretch of the imagination in this division. Let's look across town to the New York Jets, who got to travel to Seattle, just like the New York Giants did last week, only the outcome here is much different. The Jets lose this game 40-3, and Geno Smith, the former Jet great Geno Smith, got to go in this game and throw five passes because they benched Russell Wilson at the end of the third quarter after Seattle just continued to lay points at the doorstep of the New York Jets. Sam Darnold threw for 132 yards, didn't have a touchdown, didn't have an interception, could have had three interceptions was kind of throwing it right to Seattle defenders and they were subsequently dropping the ball Russell Wilson however 206 yards hyper efficient 21 of 27 four touchdowns one interception it was a touchdown to Freddie Swain touchdown to Will Disley touchdown to DK Metcalf touchdown to David Moore just touchdowns galore for the Seattle Seahawks against this Jets team that is now 0-13 Jets team that cannot do anything they can't move the football it's sad to see to their credit, at least, their kicker Sergio Castillo left nine points out there. And the game was still competitive, I guess you could say. He missed three field goals in this game. Braxton Berrios was the leading receiver at five targets, caught three for 49 yards. Also had a 
pretty bad pass interference that was not called on the Seattle Seahawks. Chris Carson added a touchdown on the ground, too. Had 12 carries for 76 yards, looking more and more healthy. Very, very physical running back. For the running backs for New York, they couldn't get anything going on the ground either. It's tough sledding in New York these days. Giants gave us a lot of hope. They're not the Jets by any means. The Jets can't get out of their way, looking like they're going to have a chance to select Trevor Lawrence if he does not go back to school. Because I don't know when they're going to win a football game, who that's going to be against, and how they're going to do it. The Las Vegas Raiders continue to fall apart. They're 7-6 and six now after starting pretty hot in the beginning of the year. And the Indianapolis Colts were the beneficiary of this. And you can kind of deem this game the Jonathan Taylor breakout game. Jonathan Taylor, JT, he's had a lot of good games this season. Nothing like this. He had 20 carries for 150 yards and two touchdowns. Looked really good. Also added two catches for 15 yards for what that's worth. But the Raiders, with a hobbled Josh Jacobs, who had 49 yards on the ground and 13 carries, with Derek Carr turning the football over again with two interceptions, this Colts defense kind of flying all over the place. Phillip Rivers doing what he has to do, finding T.Y. Hilton for two touchdowns, also throwing for 244 yards. Hilton had seven targets, five for 86 with those two touchdowns. Hunter Renfro fumbling the football away towards the end of the game, even though Indianapolis had a 17-point fourth quarter. They went into halftime. It was 20-14. This was a solid game in the fourth quarter. Indianapolis just piled it on. Jonathan Taylor running all over them. Naheem Hines had a really good game, 7 for 58 as well. Four catches for 17 yards. Michael Pittman Jr. had two catches for 42 yards. Two big plays. Las Vegas receiving. Wise, Darren Waller, 7 for 75. Foster Moreau, the backup tight end, had a 47-yard touchdown catch. Henry Ruggs, 3 for 18. Nelson Aguilar, 5 for 100 and a touchdown. The Raiders just continue to flounder and fall apart. They're getting themselves out of this playoff picture in the AFC. And their schedule... They get primetime game against the Chargers next week. Then they have the Dolphins. Another primetime game. Day after Christmas. And then you have to go to Denver and play the Broncos. The Chargers, that's a Thursday night football game. You got to get up and get ready. Chargers coming off of a win, something they rarely do. As for the Colts, good for them. Because we saw what Tennessee did against the AFC South rival and the Jacksonville Jaguars. Something they should do. The Colts go to Vegas. Vegas hasn't been good recently, but they're still plus 500 team hosting the Colts on the road. And the Colts were able to prevail. Started hot, started early. T.Y. Hilton got going. T.Y. Hilton gets Houston next week. The Colts get Houston next week. A team they just beat last week. It's going to be, I think, entertaining to see how this AFC South plays out between the Colts and the Titans. Because either one of these teams could end up winning and hosting that game. And that could be a big difference. Because they both have specific identities. The Colts, they diversify the football to everybody. They like to run the football. They have very aggressive and solid offensive linemen like Anthony Costanzo, who was out for a lot of this game. Quentin Nelson, stud. Ryan Kelly's back from injury. He's a stud as well. And then they play really good defense. Very good zone defense with Eberflus, their defensive coordinator. And then the Titans, they want to run the football. And they want to punch you in the mouth. Which is ironic because their defense is pretty bad, even though they played better. But it was against Mike Glennon and Gardner Minshew off the bench. So take that for what it's worth. I think that's going to be fun to see how that division kind of 
transpires in the next few weeks. Heading to the West Coast, we saw the Los Angeles Chargers win a football game 20-17. to Before halftime in this game, there was another Anthony Lynn faux pas. Another one where he mismanaged the clock. He ran the football, which was fine. Wasn't sure if he picked up the fourth down or not. Then he ran half the field goal team onto the field. Justin Herbert and half the offense came off the field. Flags flew everywhere. And the end result was the Chargers not scoring while in scoring position. Another mismanaged part of the game. Anthony Lynn took over the special team's duties before this game because their special teams coordinator has been atrocious these last several games. But at the end of this game, they redeemed themselves. The team that is. Anthony Lynn that is. They were able to get Michael Badgley into position to kick the field goal in a 17-17 game after Herbert did a good job finding some of his receivers down the field, hit Tyron Johnson on a big 25-yard catch, set up Michael Badgley, who is a kicker. Every time I feel like I see him, he's missing. (laughs) No offense to the guy. He's probably a nice dude. He kicked it right through. Chargers win this game 20-17. to Herbert threw the ball 44 times, 36 completions for 243 yards, two touchdowns, one pick. Austin Eckler, 15 carries, 79 yards, nine targets, caught all nine for 67 yards. Touchdown recipients were Tyron Johnson and Keenan Allen. Keenan Allen, 9 for 52 in that tutty. Tyron Johnson, 6 for 55 in that touchdown. Jalen Guyton had one catch for eight yards. He's another receiver that is a part of this team who usually goes off and We'll have like one catch for 72 yards and a touchdown. He did not in this one, unfortunately. And as for the Atlanta Falcons, Matt Ryan, three picks, no Julio Jones in this game. He had a touchdown pass. Russell Gage had a touchdown pass, which was actually a really nice pass to Calvin Ridley, who finished this game, 12 targets, eight catches for 124 yards and that touchdown. Laquan Treadwell had a receiving touchdown. Yes, he got in the end zone. Matt Ryan struggled in this game. Chargers were coming up with picks on out routes, on throws that you just don't see Matt Ryan try to force the football into that area, but he was. Todd Gurley, six carries for 19 yards. Ew. Ido Smith, 11 carries for 42 yards. And it was just Atlanta being the mediocre football team that they are. Now they're 4-9. The Chargers are 4-9. They get a home win. Now they get to wait for that Thursday night football game where they play this struggling Raiders team. A team that can't get out of their own way, it doesn't seem like. A team that they lost to in a one-possession game earlier in the season, and now they get to go to Las Vegas and play on Thursday night. Get to watch Justin Herbert in prime time, baby. It's what we all want. Now let's take a quick look at this NFC North battle between the Packers and the Lions, where the Packers won this game 31-24. to Matt Stafford ended up leaving this game because of an injury and it doesn't seem like it's going to be serious, but it's annoying. Chase Daniels went on, threw for 29 yards, actually had a really nice pass in this game. Stafford finished the game for 244 yards and that touchdown. Aaron Rodgers, three touchdowns, 290 yards, one to Robert Tunyon, one to Marquez Valdez-Scantling, one to Devontae Adams. All equally impressive. Tunyon had to work through traffic on the backside of a play. Pretty simple. It was near the goal line. That wasn't too spectacular. But Valdez Scantling, somebody who drops a lot of footballs, made a really nice contested catch to secure it and bring it into his body on a back shoulder type of throw. That was really impressive. Devontae Adams caught the ball, made a defender miss, 
outran a bunch of other defenders in the beginning of this game to start the scoring off. He finished 10 targets, 7 for 115, and that one. Valdez-Scantling, 6 targets, 6 for 85, and that one. Tunyon, 5 targets, 5 for 36, and that one. That is efficiency, ladies and gentlemen. That is making the most of your opportunities. Green Bay also had a solid game rushing the football. Jamal Adams, 10 for 38. Not too spectacular, but Aaron Jones, 15 of 69. Aaron Rodgers, picking up first downs, also added a rushing touchdown, 6 for 13 on the ground. And the Detroit Lions... Jamal Agnew had a big day on special teams, setting this team, led by Daryl Bevel now, because there obviously is no more Matt Patricia, putting them into good position. Marvin Jones didn't do anything really until the fourth quarter, where he had four catches for 48 yards on eight targets. TJ Hawkinson, 11 targets, six for 43 and one. Danny Amendola, six for 66. Yikes, seven targets. Then Mohamed Sanu came up with a big 21-yard catch, also at two for 37. Lions end up losing this game. They end up floundering. Obviously, at the end of the game, they did not have Matt Stafford, but they put themselves into a position after the Green Bay Packers went up by 10. They kicked a field goal on a seven-play drive. Kicked the field goal, tried the onside kick, almost got the onside kick, similar to the game we're going to go over here in a little bit. Didn't end up getting it, though. Did not secure. And it was the Detroit Lions who end up losing this football game. Then we have this disappointing game. This atrocious game that I hate. The Philadelphia Eagles now at 4-8-1. Back in contention for the NFC East. Because it's the second NFC East winning team we're going to go over. The Philadelphia Eagles beating the Saints. The now 10-3 Saints. Because they lose to the Eagles. Gross, disgusting. Jalen Hurts looked pretty solid though. He was 17-30 for 167 and won. 18 carries for 106 yards. Now... Obviously, the carries is huge, but through the air, that might not sound like it's all that great. You got to look at what Carson Wentz has been doing recently. Not that much. They were actually able to move the football against a really good defense here. Had the Saints guessing, made the Saints pay every time they tried to shoot a gap or be aggressive. Jalen Hurts would keep the ball and he would run. It's intriguing stuff for the Philadelphia Eagles that they were able to hold on to this. They were up 17-0 at halftime. New Orleans came back strong in the third quarter, scored 14, but it was too little, too late, and the Philadelphia Eagles were able to prevail in this game. Will Lutz missed two field goals, which could have really helped the Saints, but Jake Elliott also missed a 22-yard field goal. I'm not even making that up. Miles Sanders had a huge 82-yard touchdown run, 14 carries for 115-2. and two. The Saints just, their defense didn't look like the defense that we've grown accustomed to seeing these last several weeks. Philadelphia's receivers didn't even have to do all that much, but Dallas Goddard, 4 for 43 on six targets. As for New Orleans, Alvin Kamara had a rushing touchdown, 11 carries for 50. Taysom Hill only had 33 yards on the ground. He was able to be contained by this team that kind of struggles to contain running quarterbacks, as we've seen with Daniel Jones in both the matchups. But Taysom Hill had a pretty solid game through the air. He was sacked five times, so Philadelphia's pass rushers were kind of all over him. But he was 28 of 38. 291 yards, two touchdowns, and then one interception. Michael Thomas, eight for 84, no touchdowns on eight targets. Traquan Smith, three for 60. Alvin Kamara, seven for 44, good for Kamara owners. He had 10 targets, something we have not seen with Taysom Hill, but he was being targeted. Philadelphia was also giving it up to them. And then at the end of the game, came down to another onside kick. Almost looked like the Saints recovered this because it actually went 10 yards. It bounced off of 
a Philadelphia defender too. Ball was sitting there. A bunch of Saints jumped on it. But one eagle was there. And that one eagle, don't remember who it was, he ends up recovering it. And that was after a quick drive, after a Jalen Hurts fumble, where Taysom Hill found Jared Cook for 20 yards on a touchdown. Cook just went over one of the linebackers and just plucked the ball. It was a really, really impressive play. That fumble was huge by Hurts. The Saints were able to make them pay, but they couldn't get the ball back. They just couldn't. And Taysom Hill, earlier in the fourth quarter, he was sacked. He fumbled the football. Josh Sweat, very impressive play, very impressive game. And that led to that touchdown that kind of created that separation between the Saints and the Eagles, where Miles Sanders got his second touchdown, one-yard rush, towards the end of the game. Then we have the final game we're going to go over here. And that is, oof, hate to say this, the third NFC East team that won. That's not the Giants. The Washington football team going to San Francisco and defeating the 49ers. Washington is now 6-7 and seven atop of the NFC East. 49ers led by Nick Mullins, who is terrible quarterback. At least in this game, he was atrocious. There was one point where we thought we'd see C.J. Beathard, the Iowa great C.J. Beathard. He did not enter the game. Nick Mullins finished this game. 45 attempts, 25 completions for 260 yards, a touchdown. An interception that was returned for a touchdown, a fumble that was returned for a touchdown, and other passes that were wildly overthrown to Jordan Reed, Brandon Ayuk, and you name it. And of course, first play of the game, Debo Samuel, star wide receiver, who plays like a running back for the 49ers, pulls his hamstring, he's out for the rest of the game. It was just the Brandon Ayuk show after that. 16 targets, 10 catches for 119 yards. Raheem Mostert was in and out of the game. As well, Jeff Wilson had a pretty costly fumble, 11 carries for 31 yards, had a touchdown though as well. Kyle Juszczyk, he had a receiving touchdown from Nick Mullins, two catches for 15 yards. And Alex Smith left this game, giving an opportunity for Dwayne Haskins to blow it. Alex Smith had a pick in this game, only threw 57 yards, ends up leaving with a lower leg injury. It's not wasn't like an ACL or anything, but it was the leg that he had the surgery on, so they took him out of the game. Dwayne Haskins comes into the game, and the Washington offense just gets really conservative. Washington offense really didn't have to do anything all game because the Washington defense had two touchdowns, and Nick Mullins couldn't find a receiver. But Logan Thomas in this game did have seven targets, caught six of them for 43 yards. So that's definitely something that has been intriguing if you're in fantasy football and you need kind of a tight end who might be out on the waiver wire. You couldn't find somebody like... Thomas, who's been a target monster, with Alex Smith at least. Now with Dwayne Haskins, he was kind of a target monster in the beginning of the year too. There wasn't as much production because it's Dwayne Haskins. But it's definitely somebody that you can add. And as for rushing the football, J.D. McKissick had 11 carries for 68 yards. Peyton Barber 12 for 37. They couldn't really get much going on offense. Luckily, Nick Mullins and the San Francisco offense allowed them to win this football game essentially you got to credit Washington's defense, though, because Washington's defense is really good. Really good. Chase Young, he batted two balls down. He had a sack. He had a tackle for a loss. He had that touchdown. Montez Sweat, he had two quarterback hits. He had a sack, two tackles for a loss. He's everywhere. So this defense is so real. And the other touchdown was by Cameron Curl, the rookie defensive back, who also had seven tackles in this game. Defense is scary. <laughs> the the Giants can't have Washington going and beating these other teams. Now, San Francisco is a dud team. They took it to the Giants early in the season, but right now they're just basically hapless. 
They don't have a lot going on. And Washington went on the road and they did what they had to do to earn the first place in this division. It's going to be fluid here, ladies and gentlemen. It's definitely going to be a fluid situation with the top of the NFC East, but the Giants now have to beat a pretty damn good football team in prime time with the Cleveland Browns. It's not going to be easy. It's not going to be simple. And that's what's going to have to happen, though. So, you have to hope that the Giants can pull that out. You have to hope that Washington and the Eagles, and you can even throw the Dallas Cowboys in there. Hopefully, Seattle Seahawks can finish Washington on the road. That's Washington at home. And then Washington gets to host the Panthers, a team that I don't have any encouragement about. And then the Eagles. So the Giants are going to need some things to happen for them to continue this playoff push. It's not over, but they're in a much worse position right now than they were a mere day ago, if you're listening to this Monday morning. All right, guys. I'm Nicholas Flato. This was Flato on Football. Hope you guys enjoyed this show. Please rate, subscribe, and review this show on any of your podcasting platforms. Have a lovely day, night, afternoon, wherever you are. Take care of yourself.